drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. It is good to be back. Happy uh, Cinco de Mayo. You celebrate Cinco de Mayo? I'm curious. We're going to have a great show today, by the way. John Martinoni, the president of the Bible Christian Society, is going to be on the program. You might be familiar with John Martinoni. He's been around Catholic Radio for many, many years now at 3EWTN. And of course, we like to play his two-minute apologetic spots uh, frequently in our breaks as well. So, John Martinoni has been up to some uh, some fun apologetic shenanigans, let's just say. He's been putting out billboards across uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and they are challenging non-Catholics to consider the Catholic faith. Uh, it's a fascinating project, and we've brought him onto the program today to have that conversation. So that'll be coming up in the guest segment. Uh, in the What's Concerning Us today, we're going to do a Now That's a Tough Question segment with Michael Lofton. We did this, uh, I guess it was a month ago. And uh, so all of your toughest questions, like any question is on the the table. You can ask whatever you want. It could be a super tough question and Michael Lofton will try to take a stab at that. So we have some questions submitted already. But if you want, we will open the phone lines and you could call in and be a part of our program coming up in less than, I don't know, 12 minutes or so. So that's coming up in this hour. A lot of uh, headline news to cover today. It looks like there's a, re- a group of retired generals in France that are warning civil war is on the horizon in France. That's interesting. We may get into that in the after show today. Uh, and there's a bunch of others. Iran releases a video, uh, a fake video, but it's a video nonetheless, a propaganda video, showing them destroying, blowing up, exploding the U.S. Capitol. I wonder what will be done about that. Well, that and so much more on today's Catholic Drive Time. Plus, in the second hour, if you can join us, we surely would love to have you. We have our Fear and Tribbling Game Show Rough to Rustic is our sponsor this week on the game show, so we're going to give out prizes. Praise be to God. And then, of course, as I said, the after show, if you're able to join us in the second hour. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what Cinco de Mayo is celebrating. I have no idea. None? Come on. Like, I know it's not Mexican Independence Day because that's in September. Uh Uh-huh. I don't, other than that, nothing. Nothing. That seems, that seems rather crazy to me. Surely Cinco de Mayo was a big celebration in your home as a kid growing up. Nope, definitely not. <laughs> I, extra tacos? I'm just, Nothing? We did celebrate St. Patrick's Day, though. <laughs> did, you? Well, did, you, did you? Did you drink, like, green beer and corned beef and hash or what? Yeah, we'd make soda bread and corned beef and, yep. yeah. <laughs> Shepherd's pie all the way. Yep. Uh, speaking of uh, <laughs> enculturation, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good <laughs> Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. You know, this is one of my favorite days of the year. So it's, Cinco de Mayo? Yes, absolutely. Now, for the sake of our radio audience listening to us on the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Our, uh, our illustrious producer, Adrian Fonseca, has decided to bless us today while wearing a sombrero and a poncho. 
You know, I, it's just it's such a fun holiday. I mean, I have no idea what it's celebrating either. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're going to get us in so much trouble. <laughs> but it's a great excuse for Is me it? to have some tacos and, uh, and, I, and I'll take advantage. Did you celebrate Cinco de Mayo as a kid? Never. Never. Not even once in my not life. Even, not even once. But, you know. Do you know anybody who does celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Not a single person. I don't know a single person who celebrates Cinco de Mayo. I see posts on Facebook and Instagram, people talking about it. Really? But, uh. Other than that, no, not really. Do you go to Cinco de Mayo parades? Um, Festivities? No. Parties? I, I go to the taco shop. The taco shop. And I grab like six tacos. And, uh, you think tacos and Cinco de Mayo, are, they go hand in glove, huh? They, they're I'm pretty I sure they're synonymous. I think we can all agree on that, at okay. least. <laughs> I'm fairly certain that's what's being celebrated on Cinco de Mayo tacos. is eating tacos. <laughs> I'm okay, fair, I'm okay with that. Let's I'm pray. okay with that. Let's pray for forgiveness, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we are going to uh, pray and jump into our hour. Like I said, uh, Michael Lofton is coming up here in a little bit with the, now that's a tough question, and we have some doozies to throw at him, but we're going to open the phone lines and let you ask questions as well coming up here in just a few minutes. Of course, we're going to break into some stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day first, and then John Martinoni is coming up in the guest segment in the second half of this hour. So let's pray and ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to pray and intercede for you and for all of us. Um, for our special intentions. Of course, we're praying for the need uh, to replace Emily on the team. So we'll be praying for God's holy will for that. Let's, let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and other headlines with Emily Alcres. Citizens in Lubbock, Texas, voted this past weekend to declare the city a sanctuary city for the unborn, drawing praise from the diocese's bishop. Bishop Robert Corver of the Lubbock Diocese said in a statement, quote, I join with many others in the city of Lubbock, including many of our Catholic faithful, who voted for the ordinance declaring Lubbock a sanctuary city for the unborn. Bishop Corver said his vote was in the hope that that the ordinance will be successful in bringing about an end to the killing of voiceless innocents through the act of abortion. Corver also said that he hopes the measure will be an occasion for all residents to grow in their respect for human life, from conception to natural death. The city's measure declares performing or aiding in an abortion unlawful, but will not be enforced by the government until the Supreme Court overturns its 1973 decision that legalized abortion nationwide, Roe v. Wade, as well as the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey ruling, which built upon Roe. Private citizens, especially family members of aborted babies, are allowed to bring lawsuits against people or businesses who violate the ordinance by performing or aiding in abortion. Mothers of aborted children are exempt from the penalties under this ordinance. A federal district court dismissed the employment discrimination claim of a New Jersey Catholic school teacher last week, ruling that she was a religious minister and thus exempt from certain employment discrimination laws. Joan Simon, a former teacher at St. Dominic Academy in Jersey City, had claimed that she was terminated by the school because of her age, disability, and whistleblowing activities. The Academy is an all-girls grade 7 through 12 school sponsored by the Sisters of St. Dominic of Caldwell, New Jersey. Simon, who is in her late 50s, said she was fired from St. Dominic's back in 2018, the day after she returned from medical leave following a car accident. 
She also claimed that the teacher who replaced her was unqualified for the position. Simon has said in her lawsuit that throughout her employment, she had made numerous complaints to the administration, including to the dean, of violations of the law and educational process at the school. A federal district court, however, ruled on April 28th that as Simon was both chairperson of the school's religious department and campus minister, her duties appear to fit squarely within the ministerial exception. A fire broke out on Monday evening at St. Pierre St. Paul Catholic Church in Lille, France, and has reportedly been contained. According to local news reports, the fire originated in the sacristy of the 19th century church and reached the roof. A local official said that the sacristy was locked and that the fire could have been accidental. The fire department said that the in incident is being investigated. Edward de la Maz, the president of the Observatory of Religious Heritage in Paris, has said that France is losing religious buildings at the rate of one every two weeks. He told Catholic News Agency that buildings are frequently subject to demolition, transformation, destruction by fire or collapse, and two-thirds of fires in religious buildings are due to arson. On April 15th, the fire also destroyed the 16th century church of St. Pierre in Romilly, La Poutinay, Normandy. The fire was deemed accidental and occurred two years after a fire severely damaged Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Investigators said there was no evidence that the fire was intentional. According to the country's Central Criminal Intelligence Unit, there were 877 recorded attacks on Catholic sites in 2018. Lamaze said that this represents a five-fold increase in the past decade. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, today is the feast day of the conversion of St. Augustine of Hippo. So I'm going to break from my normal routine of sharing with you obscure saints, saints you've never heard of or blesseds, to go with uh, Augustine today because he's just pretty much, you know, amazing. He was born on the 13th of November, 354, in Tagaste, Numidia, which is the modern-day Algeria. He was the son of a pagan father who converted on his deathbed and of St. Monica, a devout Christian. He was raised a Christian. He lost his faith in his youth and led a wild life, lived with a Car Carthaginian woman from the age of 15 through 30. He fathered a son whom he named Adiodatus, uh, which means the gift of God. He taught rhetoric at Carthage and Milan. And in, after investigating and experimenting with several philosophies, he became a Manichaean for several years. It taught of a great struggle between good and evil and featured a lax moral code. A summation of his thinking at the time comes from his confessions, quote, God, give me chastity and continence, but not just now, unquote. Augustine finally broke with the Manichaeans and was converted by the prayers of his mother, and the help of St. Ambrose of Milan, another incredible, incredible saint. Uh, St. Ambrose uh, baptized him, brought him into the church. On the deathbed of his mother, he returned to Africa, sold his property, gave the proceeds to the poor, and founded a monastery, became a monk, a priest, and a preacher. And then, by popular demand, the Bishop of Hippo in 396. He founded religious communities, fought the Manichaeans, the Donatism, and Pelagianism, and other heresies. He oversaw his church and his seed during the fall of the Roman Empire to the Vandals, and became a doctor of the church. His latter thinking came, uh, can also be summed up in a line from his writings, quotes, Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you, unquote. He died on the 28th of August, 430 in Hippo, St. Augustine. Pray for us.
The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does, he prunes, so that it bears more fruit. You, already, you are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, quote, Great display of grace. He strengtheneth the hearts of the humble, stoppeth the mouth of the proud. They who hold that God is not necessary for doing uh, the, for the doing of good works, the subverters, not the asserters of free will, contradict this truth. For he who thinks that he bears fruit of himself is not in the vine. He who is not in the vine is not in Christ. He who is not in Christ is not a Christian, unquote. I love this particular passage. Uh, I like the imagery of the vine and the branches for a number of reasons. As somebody who's put a lot of effort into apologetics uh, focused to people, to non-Catholic Christians, um, I have often referred to this passage for a number of things. I just did it last week, and in fact, we had a listener uh, on the show, and I referenced this passage. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Well, so are the saints in heaven, branches connected to this vine. How do we have that communion? It's through the vine itself. How do we, uh, how do, how do we have oneness with the body of Christ, the church triumphant in heaven versus the church militant on earth? It's through the vine. And Augustine makes it clear in his writings that we must, we must abide in it. We must be connected to this vine. This vine gives us life. It is the sustenance with which we can do anything. Without him, we can do nothing. Lest we be cut off, gathered, and thrown into the fire. Let's not be among those. We'll be right back with, now that's a tough question with Michael Lofton. All that coming up next. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Now that's a tough question. To get your tough question answered, call now, 877-757-9424. Michael Lofton, host of Reason and Theology, will answer your tough questions now, 877-757-9424, or comment down below. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Uh, keeping you informed and inspired. That's our mission. It's good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We're going to do a, now that's a tough question segment now with Michael Lofton. If you want to get your question in, that phone number again is 877-757-9424. Call and uh, just let our call screener know where you're from and what your question is. We'll get you on the air. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Good morning to you, Michael Lofton. Good morning. How are you, Joe? Praise be to God, I'm alive. And that counts. Um, yeah. Now, uh, for the sake of those uh, hanging on radio, they can't see my producer is wearing a sombrero and in, uh, in honor of, uh, of Cinco de Mayo. Now, you celebrate Cinco de Mayo, right? I mean, it's probably a huge holiday in Louisiana, I imagine. Personally, I don't. And I don't know a whole lot of people who do. So. Uh, but you do eat more boudin as a result of Cinco de Mayo. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be putting some on the grill tonight. Praise be to God. <laughs> Praise be to God. <laughs> well, it's good to have you back. We have a whole, uh, we have a list of some tough questions here we want to throw at you. Plus, we have at least one call on the line here. And let me, let me give out that number again 877 757 9424. If you have a, a tough question about the Catholic faith, it could be literally anything. It's fine. 877-757-9424-877-757-9424. All right, uh, Michael Lofton, are you ready to jump in? I'll do my best. I'm ready. All right, so a listener, I think this came from Betty. I don't have the names of everybody here, but uh, Be- I think it's Betty. She asked, are contact sports like boxing and MMA, as well as like football, things like that, are they sinful to watch and or compete in? Michael Lofton. Yeah. Well, let's deal with the latter first as far as competing in. I could see somebody making the case um, that there might be some question there whether or not it's sinful just because of the effects that it could have on one's body. And of course, the uh, individual is made in the image of God. So I can see somebody arguing that perhaps there could be an element of sin involved, although I would personally leave it to the individual's conscience to determine that because I don't think that there's anything extremely clear cut in scripture tradition that would actually say objectively speaking yes this is Mm. sinful so i would ultimately leave it to the individual's conscience but i could see somebody making that case now as far as watching it of course now we're several steps removed from the act itself so we we can speak about the distinction known as 
proximate or remote cooperation in evil. So let's just assume for the moment that there is an element of sin in competing in some of these sports. Let's just assume for the moment. Um, that would be a proximate. If you are participating in the sport, that would be a proximate cooperation in evil because you're, you're directly involved with it. You're close to it, if you will. But I could see somebody arguing that Perhaps viewing it is a remote cooperation. You're you're uh, several steps removed from the actual act, which lessens the gravity of the situation as far as your participation. Long story short, it would just mean that uh, even if the act in and of itself would be sinful competing in some of these sports, I could see somebody arguing that viewing them would be a remote cooperation and therefore not sinful. However, I two in this area would say I would leave that to the individual's conscience. If the individual is struggling in their conscience with viewing some of these things, they probably should not view them because ultimately your rule is going to be your conscience. Now, yes, your conscience has to be informed by the teachings of the church, but there aren't really objective clear cut to my knowledge teachings that would say that this is mm. sinful to watch so for that reason i would leave it ultimately to the individual's conscience so we can watch but we can't like it is that what you bottom line again for some people i could see them making that argument and I, I would definitely encourage them to follow their conscience all right let's go to the phones here alex is calling good morning to you alex thanks for being a part of our program what is your question for michael often good morning michael my question is in regards to the 1992 Catechism of the Catholic Church and uh, and the uh, recent changes made to it by Pope Francis on the death penalty. So my question to Michael is, um, is that or is it not infallible, and why is that? Thank you, Alex. Michael, what do you say about the death penalty and, and yeah. supposed recent changes? And by the way, I wasn't able to hear the audio for it, so okay. it, it was about the death penalty? Yeah, so he was asking about the church's uh, teaching, uh, traditional mm -hmm. teaching on de the death penalty, yeah. and the Pope's recent uh, changes to the catechism and his mm -hmm. comments on the death penalty. How can we resolve that, Michael? Yeah, and he said, yeah. is it infallible? Is it infallible? Is, is it infallible? Well, for, first question. of all, let me say, not only is this a tough question, this is a rough question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you signed up there's, for it, sir. You signed up. <laughs> there's a lot involved here. Um, let me first answer the last part. Is it infallible? No, it is not. Um, it actually comes from an extremely low level um, teaching of the Pope. It is from a papal address. So it's extremely low when it comes to teaching authority. Um, so it is part of what we would call the magisterium, the, the teaching authority of the church, but it's very, very low in the totem pole of such things. So it's definitely not infallible. But <clears throat> as far as the issue itself, well, the um, revised edition now of the catechism notes that the death penalty would be inadmissible inadmissible. So it doesn't actually say that it is intrinsically evil. Some have argued maybe that was the intention of Pope Francis whenever he says this, but that's definitely not what the text says. And it would seem in light of some of the other things that he said elsewhere that he doesn't strictly take a view that it's intrinsically evil. That being said, uh, it being inadmissible, I think is still questionable in and of itself, because it's ultimately rooted in um, a new understanding of the penal system that I would say 
uh, is, is open for debate. So the very thing that this revision hinges on is questionable in and of itself. So long story short, I think our disposition needs to be ultimately every time the Pope teaches or the magisterium or the teaching authority teaches, our, our disposition does need to be one of obedience and assent. But in this case, I think that one could reserve in some, in some cases, one could reserve perhaps that assent and uh, ask for further clarification, which I'm hoping is going to come because I'm still just trying to see how that could be reconciled with previous teachings of the church. So it's definitely not infallible. I don't want to just immediately dismiss it and write it off, but at the same time, I have some questions before I could readily assent to it. So that's my personal take on it. All right. Praise be to God. Alex, was that helpful? Yes, it was. Thank you. All right, Alex. God bless you. Uh, calling in from Salisbury, Maryland there. Good morning to you and have a great day. Uh, all right. To praise Thank be to God. That leaves a phone line open at 877-757-9424. We might be able to get one or two more in if you call now. If you've got a tough question, uh, even a rough question, praise be to God, call now, 877-757-9424. The, the man's from Louisiana. He can handle it. Uh, 877-757-9424. As the lights flicker in the studio, that's awesome. One more time, 877-757-9424. All right. Uh, I have another question here for you, Michael. Lofton, can you pray when you are in a state of mortal sin? I don't know who asked this question, but uh, I think it's a good question. We commit mortal sins. Our conscience is bugging us. We're obviously feeling the guilt of that. Can we pray? Is there any efficacious nature to prayers when you're in a state of mortal sin? Yeah, that's an excellent question. In fact, the catechism itself addresses it. And what it effectively says is, number one, if the individual is what's called contrite, which just means that they um, are sorry for their sins, but primarily because it offends God who is worthy of all their love. So if they have contrition, um, not only can they pray, but they should pray because that contrition is sufficient for them to be forgiven of their very serious sins. Um, so it, it, it's definitely uh, something that one should be doing. Although I, I should say that, of course, when it comes to contrition, uh, along with that has to be a commitment to go to the sacrament of confession if it is available. So as soon as it's immediately available, you would go to confession. Now, for lower, if you will, degrees of sorrow for your sin, what we would call attrition, uh, perhaps maybe you're, you're sorry for what you've done because you're afraid of the consequences, namely hell and eternal separation from God, which is okay. I mean, it's, it's a good thing to be afraid of those things. Even in those cases, we're still encouraged to pray, even if we're in a state of mortal sin, because the catechism notes that those will help stir up some of the graces that will help bring us to reconciliation with God. So either way, regardless of what kind of, uh, uh, you know, sorrow that you have for your sin, God definitely hears the prayer and it is advantageous to do so. All right. Well, we have about uh, three minutes left on the clock here. I have a big question. I was hoping that the uh, the person who asked this question, Buddy, would call in, but uh, we're running out of time here, so let's dive in. He says, quote, the specific issue with Vatican II in the, second, in the section that says that one does not need to be Catholic, or in some cases, Jesus is not the way to heaven. How can one say the truth is 
is in the one and only Catholic Church when Vatican II seems to contradict 2,000 years of teaching, unquote. I don't have the reference as to which document he's referring to, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm guessing you've heard this uh, kind of co- question before. you got about uh, two and a half minutes. Yeah, many times. Um, I'm, I imagine it comes from a misunderstanding of Lumen Gentium or Nostra Aetate, two documents that are in the Second Vatican Council. Well, first things first, it doesn't say that one doesn't need to be Catholic. In fact, if you go to Lumen Gentium, paragraph 14, it extreme, it, 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 it's very careful to note that there's salvation only in Christ that it is necessary to be a member of the church and that you must be baptized to be saved. It's Amen. extremely clear on that. Now, <clears throat> we could talk about being a member of the church in an extraordinary way, and that's what it goes on to talk about. In other words, um, one could end up being a member of the Catholic church without being a card-carrying Catholic, without what we would call formal membership. So it would be possible in extraordinary circumstances where maybe some Somebody is ignorant about the church and its claims, if they are ignorant and not culpably ignorant, if they are following their conscience, and if God gives them his grace in an extraordinary way, normally he uses the sacraments, but we recognize in our tradition, sometimes there's extraordinary ways that he could give us graces, um, then it's possible that they could be considered a member of the Catholic Church. Um, those are rare, however, because if you look at the very end of Lumen Gentium, paragraph 16, or at least the end of this section, it seems to emphasize the case that this rarely happens. Oftentimes, people are not following their conscience. Oftentimes, people are not following God. So generally, this would not be the case, although it is possible. So I, I want to emphasize the fact that Lumen Gentium doesn't actually change anything here. It just simply reiterates the traditional teachings and also reiterates some of the things that Pope Pius uh, the Ninth in the 1800s and a few other popes were saying before Vatican II. Uh, that's my quick answer with only two minutes. <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Michael Lofton. We're just about out of time. What's your website? Oh, it's reasonandtheology.com. Reasonandtheology.com. Now, that was uh, great. Now, that's a tough question segment, Michael Lofton. Thank you for being on with us. We're looking forward to having you back, uh, I guess, next month. Praise be to God. Thanks for having me on. God bless you and God love you. Have a great day. That is going to do it for the Now That's a Tough Question. After this break, we're going to come back with the breaking news and stories with Emily Alcarez. And then John Martinoni from Alabama is going to be our guest. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine. G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, We don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs. Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. 
Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today's Wednesday, May 5th, and these are your headlines for today. The High Court in London will hear a landmark case in July challenging the UK government over a law allowing abortion up to birth for Down syndrome. The application, which was filed by a woman with Down syndrome and a mother whose infant son has the condition, was granted back in October. The woman, Heidi Crowder, and her team have crowdfunded more than $111,000 and are against the UK government over the Disability Clause of the Abortion Act 1967. The act permits abortion up to birth if there's a substantial risk that if the child were born, it would suffer from such physical or mental abnormalities as to be seriously handicapped. There were over 3,000 abortions on the basis of disability recorded in England and Wales in 2019, almost 700 of them following a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome. Catholics from the Diocese of Parramatta, Australia, have submitted a formal appeal to the Vatican's Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, calling for the removal of their bishop over his apparent support of same-sex relationships. Their appeal, which follows multiple petitions that have received thousands of signatures, accuses Bishop Vincent Longvan Nguyen and his vicar for education in the diocese, Father Christopher de Souza, of causing scandal by promoting in diocesan schools teachings on homosexuality that contradict church teaching. The formal appeal, which accuses Bishop Long of alleged canonical violations, also contains a series of other complaints, including allegations that two diocesan priests were harassed out of their positions because they do not share the diocese's approach to homosexuality. It claims related to financial corruption and mismanagement and a lack of consultation regarding some building works at the cathedral. The petitioners are demanding Father D'Souza's resignation because he oversees the work of the education department that they say has been responsible for introducing a pro-homosexual agenda into schools. And a local priest on Saturday challenged both his bishop and civil authorities by holding a First Communion Mass in an open-air space with close to 100 participants, despite knowing that religious ceremonies that lasted more than 30 minutes and included more than 20 people in his diocese were banned in Argentina due to their second wave of COVID. The incident took place in the Diocese of Lomas de Zamora in the greater Buenos Aires metropolitan area. The priest claimed that he had read in the newspaper that the latest measures to stop the spread of the coronavirus allowed for 30% occupancy. Regulations to stop the spread of COVID-19 have been changing regularly in Argentina, with schools open one week and closed the next. The exchange concluded peacefully since, as the priest told the police, the ceremony was almost over when they showed up. The video that captures the interruption shows the authorities arriving at the end of communion. The diocese said it had informed the priest that he couldn't celebrate ceremonies with so many people and cited a statement signed by the Bishop Jorge Lugones that stipulated a 20-person cap, mandatory face masks, and a time limit of 30 minutes. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. I also want to thank Real Estate for Life 
realestateforlife.org for generously underwriting a portion of our program. Connecting people who are buying or selling houses and supporting pro-life organizations like ours, we are, we are very grateful to them. realestateforlife.org is their website. Joining us, uh, joining us right now via the telephone, uh, all the way from Alabama, John Martinoni from the Bible Christian Society. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing out there? Praise be to God, I am alive, and that counts. Amen. I, when people ask me how, how I'm doing, I say, I woke up this morning. Amen. So. Preach it, brother. <laughs> now, Cinco de Mayo, that's a big holiday at your house, I'm sure. Uh, no, we're Italian, not uh, not Spanish so, uh, or Mexican. <laughs> I have yet to find anybody who really celebrates Cinco de Mayo. I'm, I'm sure I'll find somebody today. Uh, now, I, I want to jump in. We're all familiar with you, of course, uh, through EWTN radio for many, many years. We actually play your two-minute apologetic spots during our breaks often on the show, so audience is very familiar with you. But I want to go back in this first segment with you before we jump into the Billboard campaign how did you get involved in Catholic apologetics? I think it's an interesting story, and I think we should start there. Well, it was through radio, but through evangelical radio, actually. It, I was uh, driving from work to the post office one day, and, and at that time, this was mid-'90s, I was doing nothing but listening to Scott Hahn stuff because I was new back into my faith, just soaking up all this apologetics and Bible studies that he did. And it was only a couple minute, five minute ride from the office to the post office. And I said, well, I can't really get much out of Scott Hahn in five minutes because, you know, you have to hit rewind at the current cassette tapes. You have to hit rewind at least four or five times every couple minutes. Um, so I said, well, I'm just going to list some music. Well, every single station, all five or six stations I had pre-programmed in my radio had talk on them, commercials or talk radio. So I tuned to the Christian station in town, the big one, which I'd never listened to. And I said, well, you know, Christian music's getting better. Maybe they've got some good music. Well, I tune in and it's talk. So I'd kind of ignore it and pull into the post office. And right as I'm getting out of the car, I hear the phrase, Whore of Babylon, come from the radio. And, and I, literally, it was Whore of Babylon, click, the car was off. I what? mean, it's a, a second later, and I would have never heard it, and I wouldn't be where I am today. Uh, so I turn it back on. I said, please don't go where I think you're going to go with this. And they say, they keep talking. They say, what is the end-time religious political system that the Antichrist will use to take over the world? Well, which city on seven, sits on seven hills and is home to a major world religion? Rome, Rome. So this end-time political religious system of the Antichrist is the Roman Catholic Church. That's all we have time for today. And I, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And they, went, they went there. So I wrote the station a letter, you know, and said, hey, you know, anti-Catholic bigotry, you ought to allow a Catholic to come on. And I didn't mean this Catholic. But one thing led to another, and I wound up being on that. They have a, had a live show every afternoon from 12 to 2.30. I wound up being on the live show a Catholic on evangelical radio, and Jeff Cavins lived in town at the time doing his show on EWTN. He came on with me, and the phones blew up, because here are Catholics, and, and especially a former Protestant minister in Cavins, talking Bible on evangelical radio. Well, it went nuts. And uh, the next day, a Catholic, a local Catholic whose family had a lot of money, called and said, I will buy time on the radio if you will do a show like that. 
And, uh, you know, I told God, I said, God, this is such a crazy idea. I'm not even going to pray about it. I said, if you want it to happen, you make it happen. Well, over the next several months, some weird things happened, some strange coincidences, and I wound up doing radio on that show. But but when, when I wrote them the initial letter, uh, you know, I thought, they don't care who John Martinoni is. So I made up the Bible Christian Society, <laughs> and I made myself the president of the Bible Christian Society. So I signed this letter to them about anti-Catholic bigotry and letting Catholics come on the air as John Martinoni, president of the Bible Christian Society. And that's how the Bible Christian Society was born, and that's how my whole apologetics gig got going, and it's just been one crazy ride since then. Uh, that sounds legitimate, John. I mean, <laughs> you could have gone with, like, chief executive officer, chairman of the board, president. Yeah. It seems very ra rational and reasonable, and here you are. Yes, major stockholder. Major <laughs> yeah. stockholder, that's right. Uh, praise be to God. John Martinoni is our guest. We uh, just went over a little bit of his past and how he got involved in Catholic apologetics. Now, we have a few minutes till we go to a short break, but uh, there are reports, John, that there are billboards popping up all over Birmingham, Alabama. Tell us about this. Yes, we're doing a, a four-week billboard campaign, the Bible Christian Society is, and uh, we're in the third week now. The first week, the sign, uh, and it's on, what, about eight or nine billboards around the city. So it basically surrounds the city of Birmingham. And uh, the first week, it was just uh, on a stark black background, bright red lettering. It said, the Catholic Church, 33 A.D., dash and that, that's it you know and at the bottom it had biblechristiansociety.com and uh, you know and, and my first target with these billboards is catholics i want catholics to be affirmed in their faith to get excited about their faith and see hey there is somebody being very proactive in evangelizing for the catholic church instead of against the catholic church which as you know living in the south that happens all the time mm. um so Catholics are going crazy, and a lot of them know Bible Christian Society around here, but a lot of them don't. And so I'm, I'm getting calls, texts, emails. I've posted it on Facebook page, uh, which I've got a page, John Martinoni and the Bible Christian Society. You can see the billboards there. And I'm getting hundreds of hits, phone calls, emails. That it's going crazy. And so the second week was just a picture, beautiful picture of the Virgin Mary, and it says, Mary, dot, 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 mother of God, question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> and uh, on the bottom, the tag is BibleChristianCity.com slash Mary. And if they go to that page, it's just the first thing you see is a short apologetic from Scripture on why it's more than appropriate to call Mary the mother of God, which most Protestant Christians do not do and, and, and are opposed to. And this week, what's, uh, this week the, the billboard is, which church is the church? The is all capitals. And it takes you to a quiz on my website, uh, BibleChristianCited.com slash quiz. And that quiz starts off, did Jesus start a church? Yes or no? You click the right answer, it tells you. Scripture, Matthew 16, Matthew. It's interactive quiz. Then the next page. Well, how hold, hold, that thought, hold that thought. Hold that thought, John. Time. Sorry to cut you off, but we have to go to a short break. We're going to come right back and continue our conversation with John Martinoni, president of the Bible Christian Society, Catholic Apologetic. 
uh, effort to evangelize Birmingham. All that coming up on the other side of this very short break. We'll be right back. How could we ever think a person wasn't worthy of living? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. It's hard for us to believe, yet there are people in our country who say that persons with certain disabilities should not be allowed to be born. There is a danger that we will push aside people who make us uncomfortable, the sick or the elderly, for example. St. Benedict had a very different approach and said that care for them should rank above everything and that they should be served as Christ himself. He has a special chapter in his rule to provide compassionate consideration for the elderly and the very young. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E MinuteMonk.com. How do we regard persons whose weaknesses require special care from us? Do we want to ignore them and hope they will go away? Or do we see in them an opportunity to serve Jesus himself? Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. John Martinoni is our guest, president of the Bible Christian Society, talking about his billboard campaign. John, back many years ago now, I was working uh, for an organization called Fullness of Truth, and we were putting out billboards down in Corpus Christi, Texas, for a big conference that we were that we were hosting. Right. And, uh, and giant billboard says, Fullness of Truth. And I remember getting a phone call uh, after putting that up. And the person was so excited. Oh, I saw your billboard. It looked amazing. Tell me, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, we're a Catholic apologetic organization. Click. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was yeah. like cold turkey. What? Oh, and then hung up on me. Um, yeah. what, what kind of responses have you been getting with your billboards? Well, uh, the um, number one, I've designed these billboards to be provocative, to to provoke thought, to provoke uh, questions, dialogue, uh, and, and introspection on, on Catholic and non-Catholic both. But from the Catholics, I, it, they're, they're coming out of their skin excited about these billboards. I, since I, I told somebody just, this just yesterday or the day before, this is the most response I've ever gotten to anything I've done since I started on that evangelical radio station with the Catholic Apologetic Show, which, wow. which lit people up. So in the last 20-plus years or so, I've never done anything that has gotten this kind of response. And I'm hearing not directly from non-Catholics, but through Catholics I'm hearing from non-Catholics, and they're excited about it. And they're, they're you know, maybe not the same level as Catholics, but... Well, one guy said, hey, you know, essentially a newfound respect for the Catholic Church. He didn't realize the Catholic Church was founded in 33 AD, you know, and when you, you know, it's just a simple historical fact, Joe, and 
but it's provocative because a lot of people don't realize, oh, Catholic churches, they're coming up on 2,000 years. Oh, that, they must have been founded by Jesus if they were founded in 33 AD. So, it, like I said, it provokes thought, it provokes dialogue. Um, the, the website hits are going up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hits on my Mary page, on, on the quiz page, which, again, the quiz just starts off, and it, and it leads you inevitably to, well, how many churches have these characteristics? And, and it's just like 18 questions, true, false, or, or yes, no, and some multiple choice. It takes a couple minutes to do, and it leads to the last answer is the Catholic Church. Uh, and then next week, um, the billboard is just going to say, a quiz for Christians, com slash quiz. And, you know, I did a uh, an online campaign a couple, three years ago where we did millions of banner ads and targeted email blasts. And I found out that the banner ads that had the word quiz in them, mm. they outperformed all the other ads by five to ten times. Wow. And so pe- people like to take quizzes, you know, all those online things, hey, Take this quiz, see if you could pass this, or, or do you know the history of the United States in this, or could you pass the, this test or that? And and so I'm trying to use that to to evangelize. But the, again, the the hits, several hundred hits right now, and we're only halfway through uh, through the campaign. That's amazing. John Martinoni is our guest. I'm looking at the uh, Facebook page right now for the Bible Christian Society, and uh, I see one comment over here on the picture of the billboard with Our Lady on it. It says, Mary, the mother of God, question mark, exclamation point. And then underneath is thebiblechristiansociety.com forward slash Mary. And one of the commenters said, I saw them everywhere in Birmingham, downtown, Vestivia, Hoover. Love, love, love it. And uh, so you're getting a great response. Uh, yeah. This this can't be cheap though. I mean, billboards traditionally are pretty expensive media. Uh, what what kind of a budget would one need for a campaign of this nature? Well, this this campaign is twenty five thousand dollars. It's on four of the biggest, or not biggest, but four of the most viewed billboards around town, and then four or five of the. Of, billboards that are seen by people but not quite as often so that the billboard company calls them uh, impressions just like the online folks do so four billboards that get massive impressions and four or five others that get moderate impressions but uh, uh so twenty five thousand. And, and here's the thing is I was on Teresa Tamio's show last week talking about this, and I'm, I've already gotten people from Dallas to call and donate money. They said, we want something here. Um, I've got somebody in Louisiana who's saying, hey, let's do something maybe in New Orleans and Baton Rouge. Uh, so, I, And that's my hope is that this thing will go national. And so I'm looking at, okay, I'm, I already talked to the – Billboard company yesterday, the guy and I exchanged emails. Uh, what would it take to do something on a more national basis, uh, major cities? Uh, uh, so Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, uh, Jackson, Mississippi, New Orleans, etc. So that's hopefully going to be the next step in all of this. John Martinoni is our guest. You know, one of the things I love about this, John, is in the in a in a world that's being pushed digital. You know at a pace now that's picking up and we're seeing tons of censorship all all over 
for our message, for our belief, what we believe in the dignity of the human person, of sanctity of marriage, etc., etc. I love the fact that you can still reach the masses through some of these traditional methods, radio, for instance, and, and billboards. Um, you said you spent, uh, you did a big campaign a year or two ago. Did you ever see yourself trying to do billboards? Was that something you wanted to do, or did you give it another shot because of some of the challenges elsewhere? I, I had thought about it because what I'm trying to, I'm doing like, test marketing in, in many different media. I've done uh, online. I've done, I did newspapers, which the response from newspapers surprised me how good it was. I've done TV commercials. Uh, so I thought, well, Billboard or Radio is next, but there's a, a lawyer around the Southeast who, who's got like a 2 to $3 million billboard budget per month. You see his signs everywhere in Alabama. And he's raking in the cash. And so I thought, well, billboards must be working, so let's go billboards next. And by golly, they do work. And, and then radio advertising is going to be the next step after this one or, and or the, the more national billboard campaign if, if folks step up. Mm. Amazing. BibleChristianSociety.com is the website. If you want to contribute to the cause, that'd be a pretty amazing, I think. Uh, we have a few minutes left with John Martinoni here. What, what do you... What would be the ultimate outcome of a billboard campaign like this? I, I remember talking to you many, many years ago now, John, and you had set this goal that you wanted to convert Birmingham. What is it, like 4% Catholic there? Uh, you, wanted, uh, you, wanted five, to, yeah. you wanted to transform Birmingham for the, for the church. Um, do you still have that as a goal? How, how, I mean, like, how do you foresee the fruit of works like this? Well, my goal... I, I drew up a 40-year evangelization plan back on my 40th birthday in 1998, and the goal was 50% of Birmingham by 2038 to be Catholic. So that's a 40-year plan. Uh, we've got, to, what, 19 years left, and, uh, and, you know, I never planned on Catholic radio. And that. So I think a lot of seeds have been planted over the last 20 years, and maybe through the billboard campaign, radio advertising, and who knows what else God will bring out of all of this, that we can, you know, let's say we don't get to 50%. Let's say we just double it and get to 10% or, or 12%. What an awesome thing. And, and my big thing is, Joe, we've got our 2,000-year anniversary of the church coming up. And, you know, what year actually it was, some people say 33 A.D., some say 30 A.D., but I'm, I'm assuming the church is going to go 33 A.D. Why don't we start a nine-year novena of events beginning in 2024, leading up to the 2,000-year anniversary of the church, and use that as a huge evangelization platform that, hey, 2,000 years, because eventually I want to be putting up billboards, the Catholic Church, 2,000 years coming up or something like that. Mm. So I'm hoping for massive conversion to the Catholic faith in the next uh, 18, 19, 20 years. Amen. Now, I've seen Satanists use billboards campaigns to try to lead people uh, further away from Christianity. In fact, I've seen them uh, put new ones up uh, suggesting that they could perform abortions even in places where uh, yeah, that might be more awesome. difficult. Uh, how, how do you see, Is it would it be possible to uh, tailor a campaign of billboards that might hyper-target atheists, for instance? Well, yes. That's, actually, I was thinking of that just last week. I was thinking, uh, atheist, dash, why is there something instead of nothing? And then you know, BibleChristianSociety.com slash atheist or something like that. So, yes, it, but see, on billboards, like as you know, you've got to be short and sweet, yeah. very succinct, 
and and give them something good to go to. And so, yes, I was thinking about atheists, but my right now what I'm being drawn to is, hey, we need to be one as Christians. We can't have all these denominations out there. Jesus doesn't want division in his body. So my first target are the Christians, uh, and then, you know, the ripples in the pond out from that. But atheism is growing and growing and growing. So, yes, that, that is definitely on my radar in terms of a billboard campaign. Now, if you had your choice, if you had the money or whatever, uh, where would you go next? If you could pinpoint, if it was all on you to decide, where would you go to next for a billboard campaign? Well, um, I go where where people contact me. And the first person to contact me uh, after being on Teresa Tommy and talking about this last week was from Dallas. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, God, if that's you know where you want me to go and you want billboards in Dallas. And I was just out in the Dallas area in Frisco uh, a couple weeks ago speaking to a ladies group at a parish out there, uh, the moms group at the parish in Frisco. And uh, so I was like, all right, well, maybe Dallas is the next place. So, so we'll see. But uh, somewhere in the south where, you know, Catholics are not the majority of the population. All right. Praise be to God. John Martinoni, president of the Bible Christian Society, BibleChristianSociety.com is the website. God love you, John. Thanks for being on our program today. My pleasure, Joe. I enjoyed it. Praise be to God. Have a great day, John. And that is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise Jesus. We're going to post the conversations we've had today later as individual clips on our YouTube channel, Facebook, and elsewhere. You can check that out. You can find all the links of everything we do and watch live right on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. In the next hour, if you can join us, the Fear and Trembling Game Show is coming up and prizes are involved. It's going to be a blast. Maybe you can be the contestant. grnonline.com forward slash cdt is the website. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. 
The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. It is so good to be on with you. Good morning. Happy Cinco de Mayo Day. Huge celebrations going on all over the country, I'm sure. Um, We'll get into that probably more in the after show, I'm guessing. But uh, great hour last hour. John Martinoni, wonderful conversation. Uh, Pretty fun billboard campaign he's running that sounds like it's going to be growing and expanding to other parts of the country. And I think that's a great idea. I wish it was less expensive to do in my neck of the woods, but it would be amazing to see people step up with the appropriate resources to fund such evangelization campaigns. Just imagine what could happen. Michael Lofton was also in the last hour. We had a great, now that's a tough question segment. Some good questions and a caller from Maryland. We love that. Praise be to God. We'll be posting both of those clips of today's show later on our social feeds. Again, you can find the links over on our website, GRN. Online.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning. So I Googled Cinco de Mayo. What do you Google that? Uh, actually, it's a part of your culture. I, I binged it. And it's a holiday that celebrates the date of the Mexican army's mm-hmm. victory over the French, mm-hmm. the Battle of Puebla. Okay. During the Franco-Mexican War, which um, I've never heard of before. It, it's still a big celebration, right? Yeah, uh, this website says it's a minor holiday in Mexico. Minor <laughs> holiday in Mexico. Now, our buddy Jesus Robles, a uh, native from Mexico, is on. Maybe he could tell us about the celebrations that in are that ensue in Mexico on Cinco de Mayo. Maybe he could share some insight with that on the uh, in the after show, which comes up in the second half of today's program. Of course, uh, our friend and colleague 
and huge advocate of Cinco de Mayo, Adrian Fonseca, is here. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, Cinco de Mayo is a humongous holiday for me. Is it? Um, I don't know anything about the history of Cinco de Mayo. All what, I know what, is that what it's a great about? excuse to eat tacos. Um, and what? so what? I, I go all out for Cinco de Mayo. Uh, ten out they, of ten, man. Are they like? It's about the you know the the, the Franco war there with the Mexicans. So. What do tacos got to do with it? Well, it's cinco, meaning how many tacos you should eat that day. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, buddy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Now, for those just listening on the radio, please pardon my friend here. Uh, you can't see it, but he's got a sombrero on and a poncho for some odd reason. So, uh, not sure. At any rate, praise be to God. We're going to have a great show today. Uh, Michael Lofton was a lot of fun, I think. And Always, yeah. You know, He's so good. Uh, yeah, and if y'all have questions, um, we love having him on. So send us your questions. We can hold on to those until he's back on again. But yeah, he's just so, wow, what a breadth of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. So we're going to try to get make him a regular on the program. So if you have tough questions and you want them answered by Michael, please submit them to Adrian, the guy with the sombrero on, and uh, we'll, we'll make sure that Michael gets an opportunity to, to answer those. And if you have celebrated or you do celebrate Cinco de Mayo and you're hanging out on one of the live video feeds, tell us that. We'd love to know. What do you do for Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, praise be to God. All right. In this hour, we are going to do the good news segment. Uh, there's lots of bad news we could discuss. We did that somewhat in the last hour, but we got to cover some good news. Then breaking news and stories with Emily, of course, as I just said. And then Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. And then Fear and Trembling Game Show is coming up, and you could be the winner. So all you have to do is be the first caller, and uh, when we give out the phone number, you could find the phone number on our website as well. And then we'll have a fun time doing a little bit of teaching and possibly giving out some prizes. So all that's coming up in this first half hour. Let us pray for whatever your intentions are and our own. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the good news with Emily Alcaraz. The Florida legislature passed a bill last Thursday regulating the state's emergency powers if faced with any public health emergency in the future. Among other things, the bill bans compulsory COVID-19 vaccines for students. Governor Ron DeSantis tweeted, thrilled to sign legislation that prohibits vaccine passports in Florida. Neither government nor private businesses will be able to condition your participation in everyday life on producing private health information. In early March, DeSantis signed an executive order banning both government entities and businesses from requiring proof of vaccinations. The legislature helped turn this into law by passing SB 2006, which fortifies the ban and includes schools. Schools in Florida already require certain vaccinations. However, State Representative Tom Leake said that an experimental vaccine would not have the same proven history of the same vaccines we require our school children to get. He said, quote, we must recognize that vaccine hesitancy is real and understandable. Many parishes in the Arlington Diocese have offered extended adoration hours during the pandemic. However, Sacred Heart of Jesus is one of just a few diocesan parishes, along with Our Lady of Angels Parish in Woodbridge, that have been able to maintain perpetual adoration during the pandemic. 
Father Bjorn Lundberg, pastor of Sacred Heart of Jesus, said, So many good things happen at Sacred Heart, and I would attribute it to the fact that we have had 25 years of adoration. Adoration has been held at the Sacred Heart of Jesus Chapel perpetually since August 22, 1995. At the beginning of the lockdown, Father Lundberg would take the monstrance into the rectory and place it in the rectory chapel window every night. People would park their cars in front of that window and pray at their scheduled times from the parking lot. Father said, quote, At night, we'd have the Blessed Sacrament exposed in the rectory chapel, and I would sleep in there to make sure adoration was covered. Father Lundberg said he's grateful to be pastor of a church where there's such a commitment to adoration and said there's a real culture that of that personal relationship with Christ in adoration. India's newest saint is a model and a beacon for us and for future generations, according to one bishop. Nila Kandan Pillai was born in 1712 in what is now the Indian state of Tamil Nadu, in the south of the Indian subcontinent. When he was baptized, he took the name Lazarus, Devasahayam in the local Tamil language. He stopped using the name Pillai after his conversion since it was a Hindu caste name. After his conversion, Devasahayam suffered severe harassment and persecution until he was finally shot and killed in 1752. Bishop Nazarene Susai of Kotar said, We know already, and it is taken by the people, that Devasahayam is a martyr and a saint. It's only on the official announcement of the church that we're waiting. Jesuit father A.X.J. Bosco said, quote, We're in a time of persecution. Many pastors are beaten up, arrested, and thrown in prison. Nuns are attacked. Chapels and houses of prayer are damaged. Anti-conversion legislation is enacted. There's no religious freedom. At this juncture, Blessed Devasahayam, who faced persecutions boldly, is a great exemplar for Christians who are bearing the brunt of Hindu nationalism. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Today is the conversion, or the feast day of the conversion, of St. Augustine of Hippo. And so I'm having to... Uh, suspend my uh, normal practice of giving you the uh, saints you've never heard of to bring you St. Augustine and his conversion. Why? Because he's worthy of it. He's just that amazing. He was born on the 13th of November 354 in Tagast in Numidia, which is the modern-day Algeria. He was born as Aurelius Agostinus, and he was the son of a pagan father who converted on his deathbed. And, of course, St. Monica, a devout Christian. St. Augustus was raised as a Christian. He lost his faith in his youth and led a wild life. He lived um, with a Carthaginian woman from the age of 15 through 30. He fathered a son whom he named Adiodatus, uh, which means the gift of God. He taught rhetoric at Carthage and Milan. And after investigating and experimenting with several philosophies, he became a Manichaean for several years. Manichaeanism taught of a great struggle between good and evil in the person, but it also featured a lax moral code. Uh, a summation of this thinking might be from the Confessions, quote, God, give me chastity and continence, but not just now, unquote. Augustine finally broke with the Manichaeans, and was converted by the prayers of his mother with the help of the Bishop of Milan, St. Ambrose, who baptized him. On the death of his mother, he returned to Africa, sold his property, gave the proceeds to the poor, and founded a monastery, becoming a monk, was ordained a priest, and a, pr a noted preacher. He was also be, uh, made to become the Bishop of Hippo. 
396, he founded a religious community and fought Manichaeanism, Donatism, Pelagianism, and other heresies. He oversaw his church and his seed during the fall of the Roman Empire to the Vandals and became a great doctor of the church. His later thinking can also be summed up in the line from his writings, quote, Our hearts were made for you, O Lord, and they are restless until they rest in you, unquote. St. Augustine died on the 28th of August, 4.30 in Hippo. St. Augustine of Hippo, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that, do, that he does, and every one that does, he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear its fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Augustine would say the branches do not confer any advantage upon the vine. It's really the other way around. We get everything from the vine. The vine doesn't need us. We need him. And that's the Lord and Savior Jesus. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, so there's a lot here as usual. I'm going to focus in on verse 6, and I'll read read verse 6 for you. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. Uh, so that's uh, Cornelius Lapide comments on each one of these passages, but I'm going to focus in on verse 6. Here, he breaks down the punishments that the uh, reprobate, which are the, the damned, will receive when they are damned. So he says, what will happen? Well, first, you'll be cast out from the door. What door? So you'll be cast out. And what, what does that mean? That means you will be away from Christ, from God, from heaven, from the company of angels, and the company of the saints. That's the first punishment. The second one, you shall wither. So in this life, he says, uh, Cornelius Lapide says that in this life, we have some faith and hope. And even, even sinners receive the divine grace of repentance. They don't receive any other divine grace. And as Michael often said in the last hour, uh, we can pray for more contrition, but we don't merit anything in this life, but we still receive those graces and we can still experience the good on earth whenever we are in mortal sin. But those who do not remain in Christ with the vine, at the last day, we will no longer have the sap of goodness, but we will be in uh, our our bodies and our souls will simply be fuel for hell. Uh, the third thing that they shall gather them up, that is that the reprobate will all be gathered together like in bundles and thrown into the fire and to never to be seen again. They'll be consumed, um, but never actually consumed because they're immortal. Uh, fifthly or fourthly, uh, the, the everlasting fires. So you'll be burned up. 
And uh, then fifthly, they shall burn immediately. They begin to burn and the burning will be everlasting. Uh, those are the, the five points that Cornelius Lapide takes out from that passage on what happens to the reprobate. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh, Augustine today, of course, it's his feast day, so I only pulled quotes from Augustine, uh, rightfully so. Augustine would also say, for we cultivate God, for we cultivate God, and God cultivates us. Now, he says, but our culture of God does not make him any better. Our culture is that of adoration, not of plowing. His culture of us makes us better. His culture consists in extirpating all the seeds of wickedness from our hearts and opening our heart to the plow, as it were, of his word, and sowing in us the seeds of his commandments and waiting for the fruits of piety. St. Augustine, that's amazing. All right, game show's coming up next, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please do me a favor and don't tell anybody what I'm about to tell you. All right, deal? But we like to do a few things here. 
on the program with the Fear and Trembling Game Show. They, they are legitimate uh, trivia questions. That's true. Catholic trivia questions. But we like to teach a little bit about the faith, so you always tend to learn something you did not know before. Praise God for that. We like to have a little laugh in the process, and we give out prizes. So it's kind of a winner for everybody involved, and it's a lot of fun. But if you're just joining us and you're like, what in the world? Okay, here's the deal. We have callers. They call in. They, they want to be contestants. But we don't ask them the questions, so they don't even need to know the answers to any of these questions to still be a winner. Because we ask Emily, we ask Adrian. One of them will be right, and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong, who do they trust more. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is RoughToRustic.com. That's Rough2Rustic.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Rough to Rustic is a Catholic wooden decor shop run by a Catholic mother and artist named Michelle. And she makes the most beautiful rosary holders that you can hang up in your home. So they're practical and decorative. This week, she's giving away a Memento Mori wooden decor uh, two-piece set that you can hang up in your home. It's really beautiful, so I encourage you to check out RoughToRustic.com. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Rough to Rustic, for generously sponsoring our Fear and Trembling Game Show yet again. We're very grateful to you. Let's go to the phones. And by the way, if you did try to call in today and you didn't make it, praise God. Thank you. Tomorrow is a new opportunity. Uh, but let's go. Michelle and Emma, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thank you for being on our show today. Now, where are you calling from? Um, San Antonio, Texas. Hey, now. Praise be to God. What, what part of San Antonio? Where do you guys go to church? Uh, St. Peter's, uh, Prince of Apostles. Wonderful. And uh, so I hear you're on the road this morning. Where are you headed to? Uh, to school, to Great Hearts. Nice. Great Hearts. Uh, well, uh, praise be to God. Have you ever played the game before? No, but we do listen in every day so you, on the way to school. So then you know. You you know the deal, right? I mean, yeah. can you really trust Emily and Adrian? I'm, I'm, I don't know. you got to keep a careful eye out, or ear, in your case, right? Yes. All right. You ready to play? Uh, Michelle and Emma, you ready to go? Yes. Here we go. Yeah, there's confidence there. I like that. All right, here we go. <laughs> Emily, we will start with you this time, uh, as is our custom. Are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Emily, can you tell me, what are the three gifts that the infant Jesus received from the Magi? The infant Jesus. Um, I'm sure he would have wanted toys, but instead he got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He would have wanted toys? An infant Jesus? Okay. What is he uh-huh. going to do with myrrh? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've had a, We've had a few babies. They don't... Okay, so what would you say? Gold? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He's going to gnaw on gold? That, okay, yummy. Let's just see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what three gifts did the infant Jesus receive from the Magi? Yeah, it was that was wine, a bottle of wine, what? seven what? fish, what? and half a loaf of bread. I can tell that neither oh. one of you have ever had children before. I've I've had what kind I, of I, I gifts are none. you giving to kids these days? Well, it's not me giving it. It was the wise men giving. <laughs> it. Nobody ever heard quote of unquote a, wise. <laughs> <laughs> a onesie, some diapers, a 
you know, he, anyway. I'm sure Mary yet. was thrilled. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, Adrian, you said what again? Wine, Wine seven fish, and half a loaf of bread. Oh, sounds very biblical. I'm getting the typology going on here. Wow. Uh, I'm picking up what you're laying down. All right, so Adrian is on the hook for wine, seven fish, and a half a loaf of bread. And Miss Emily is on the hook for gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Michelle and Emma, what say you? Emma, uh, Emma, uh, Emily. Survey says, well done. Of course, of course. <laughs> you are not fooled in the least. I thought I thought I was going to get him. I now, thought I was going to get him. That was a fairly easy question, right, uh, Michelle and Emma? Yes. Yeah, you knew that one. Like, it wasn't tricky at all. I mean, pfft. Who gives wine to a baby, Adrian? Good grief. Who gives, Who gives myrrh? myrrh to a baby? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Emma and Michelle, do you all celebrate Cinco de Mayo? I'm curious. Um, I mean, no. No. Yeah, nobody does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will find one person today who celebrates Cinco de Mayo. I'm sure. There'll be one, at least one. I'll celebrate it so you can say you know me. There you go. Uh, I pulled it out of my hat, out yes. of my sombrero. Yes, okay. Let's. Uh, speaking of sombreros, we're going to Adrian for this next question. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the special grace each of the sacraments gives? Uh, that would be amazing grace. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Wow. How sweet the sound, you know? Yeah. I can tell. It saved a wrench like me. All right, let's move on. Emily, Emily, <laughs> can you tell me? Please tell me. What is the special grace each of the sacraments provides us? Joe was like, we can't get another button. No more buttons. I, yeah, speaking <laughs> of which, I need to get my buttons ready. Okay, go ahead. This is, so this is sacramental grace. Sacramental grace. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. Sounds, of course. Could sound reasonable. So, all right. Emily is on the hook for sacramental grace. Adrian is on the hook for amazing grace as the special grace that sacraments provide to us. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Michelle and Emma, what say you? Emily. Survey says... Wow, well done. You, you did Woo. not... Uh, you, you threw a curveball at you. You didn't swing. I'm very proud of you. Now, can you place all your trust in Emily? That's the question. I think earlier this week, Emily broke the heart of a young man named Danny, if I, if I recall correctly. Uh. Uh, so uh, I couldn't trust her. Little, why? Why uh, remind me? A friendly PSA, just to say, hey, you know, uh, listen carefully, see how it goes. All right, C- congratulations! You're in the coffee cup twice, Michelle and Emma. Yes. You got you got to feel pretty confident about that. Yes. All right. This next question, in all fairness, could be tricky. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Emily, can you tell me what does it mean when a religious is calced. Calced? Calced. What does it mean when a religious is calced? A religious like a nun or monk? Um, sure, why not? Well, I know that discalced Carmelites are barefoot, so mm-hmm. calced must mean they're wearing shoes. Okay, okay. Let's see what Mr. Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what does it mean when a religious is calced? Yes, uh, calced. That comes from the word like where you get with the, where we get the word calcium. Uh, so you know, whenever a oh. uh, religious, they're on a, they are typically on farms and ranches. It's whenever they are forced to uh, milk the cow for the first time. 
Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Sure, yeah, it's reasonable. It's very, it's very reasonable. All right, so Adrian is on the hook for, what'd you say, milking cows for the first time? Yep. Adrian is on the hook for cows means the first time a religious milks a cow. Like a rite of passage? On the, mon exactly. on the monastery farm. Exactly. Wow. And uh, it's kind of like getting your tonsure, I imagine. Very uh, similar. Yeah. Very similar. Very similar. And Miss Emily's on the hook for wearing shoes. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Michelle and Emma. wearing shoes. What say you? Emily. Survey says... Woo! Three for three on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> you were not thrown in the least by Adrian Fonseca's uh, very astute, uh, very close answers, I would say. So, very reasonable responses there. Uh, Michelle and Emma, congratulations. Three times in the coffee cup. Well done. Did you have fun playing the game today, Emma? Yes. Yes, I just dropped her off from school. <laughs> oh, bye, Emma. Oh, bye, Emma. <laughs> Have a great day. Okay, Mom, put the phone out the window so I can yell and embarrass her really loudly. That'd be a lot of fun. Like, oh, I like to do that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, My Michelle, congratulations. You're in the cup three times. Uh, if it's God's will, your name will be pulled out on Friday morning, so you'll have to tune in for that. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun today, and thank you for being a good sport. Thank you. All right. Praise be to God. We're going to put you on hold so we can get your phone number in case you are the winner. But that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. Cow milking is the best you could come up with. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, cows? And I was like, it made me think of calcium. And I, I loved it. I you kept to go. going down that rabbit hole. I was like, wow. <laughs> you thought about this. I, I know. Like, we started with calcium and ended up with milking of cows. This, this, this is how I come up with all of all of my wrong answers. <laughs> I was like, what, what is the first thing that pops in my head when I hear when I see these things? It was a wacky question either way. Very as, Catholic. As he wears a sombrero and a poncho, nonetheless. Yeah, I pulled these answers right out of my poncho yeah. or out of my uh, sombrero. Sombrero. Yeah, all right. Well, praise be to God. That is going to do it for the radio side of our show today. A lot of fun. Uh, the, the fun continues in the after show, by the way. The shenanigans that ensue in the after show is, uh, is you know, of record level, let's just say. If you'd like to be a part of that, you can watch us live right on our website or find the links to our YouTube and Facebook channels and be a part of the conversation because you drive the conversation in the after show. Whatever you want to talk about, laugh about, joke about, all of that, plus all of our own personal inside jokes get tossed around. All of that is the after show. We're glad you're a part of it. You can find us online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to have E. Michael Jones back. We had a great show with him a couple months back. Tomorrow we're going to be talking about Logos Rising. All of that and more. If you're going to go to Mass today, please keep us in your prayers. We'd be very grateful to you. We, of course, are praying for you, but please do also pray for us. God love you. God bless you. If we don't see you in the after show, we'll see you tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, for Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with 
everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get way more casual in the conversation. For instance, uh, Mr. Adrian, uh, Senor Adrian, Senor Fonseca. Hola. He just talked about lactose intolerant cows, uh, (laughs) which is awkward, but okay. Uh, Anyway, welcome to the after show where we conversate about whatever it is you would like to talk about. And uh, you get to drive that conversation. So be sure to comment. If you are new here, or if you've never commented before, well, you get special love. All you got to do is let us know. Let us know that you are a first-time commenter, and we will recognize you appropriately. Praise be to God. A fun show today, though. Really good. Yeah, super fun. Michael Lofton was great. All of our guests were great. The game show was fun. Happy, Uh, happy Wednesday. I'm surprised. I haven't uh, gotten one single... um, Complaints so far about Adrian's uh, poncho and, and sombrero. Why would someone complain? It's but amazing. It, it's early, so <laughs> there's, still, <laughs> there's still plenty of options. Uh, good morning to you, Susan Weber. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out. Gloria Dion uh, Lopez. Good morning. Buenos dias. Buenos dias to you, Gloria. Thank you for hanging out with us. Slopo Rodriguez. Oh, we're, Ouch. we're going there. We're go- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Slow down there. Slow down. All right. Uh, let's see. Who else? I, it, by the way, if you celebrate Cinco de Mayo, let us know. We'd love to know how you, how does one celebrate Cinco de Mayo appropriately? Tacos. I, okay. Surely that can't be the correct answer. Duh. That can't be the correct answer. Jesus Robles, save us on this one, buddy. What do uh, what do people in Mexico do to celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Let Valentin said, uh, good morning, CDT team. We celebrate Cinco de Mayo. <gasps> no there way. You there you go. Valentin. Tell us how. Valentin, you want to jump on the show, Valentin? You want me to open the phone lines? You can call in. You can explain how to properly celebrate uh, Cinco de Mayo, 877-757-9424. Uh, call now, and we'll put you on the air with us, and uh, we'll talk about how one celebrates the Cinco de Mayo properly at 877-757-9424. Hey, she's Robles, man. I can't believe you broke your heart like the way you did. I don't even want to read it. Did you forget wanna... to send your check or wow. something? I mean, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. Jesus Robles has been the biggest fanboy of Adrian now for months, <laughs> and then we put John Martinoni on, and bam, he abandons the Adrian Fonseca ship. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I know it's not. It's, it's not a big deal. I, uh, I think it's awesome, personally. I just, I'm just, I'm really blown away by it. It's, it's incredible. He says, John builds my Catholic apologetics, but Dominicans fuel the fan and fan the flame in my heart. Wow. Is that his like Aww. conciliatory gesture? I'm just, I don't know. Angelo asked for a grito. I, <laughs> uh, Don, I had, good morning <laughs> to you, Don. Good morning. Praise <laughs> be to God. Of course, Thomas Russell's hanging out with us in the studio again today. Good morning to you, Mr. Thomas Russell. Good morning. How are y'all today? Praise God, I am alive. I am alive, and that counts. Um, Scott, how do you say your last name, Scott? Is it Rogue? Is it Roge? Scott Roge, I grew up in SoCal. Cinco de Mayo was big in California, but not as much in Texas. Tell us about that, Scott. Uh, we'd love to know. And by the way, Scott has to be a first-time commenter. We have a lot of first-time commenters today, actually. Well, let's, let's call them out, then. Let's see. So Scott is a first-time commenter. Uh, we had some other 
first-time commenter. Let me see if I can go find them. Mike? Is Mike K a first-time commenter? I think he is. I think so. Uh, let's see. I think there's another one on the Facebook side. Let's see if I can find the comment from towards the beginning of the show. Let's see. Um, I'm pretty sure there's three. Is Ubi D. Rice a first-time commenter? I think so. I think that's Sean's wife. Uh, she's a first-time commenter. And I think that's it. I think I got everybody. If I missed you, then uh, comment down below and let us know. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you for first-time commenting, by the way. We're very grateful to you for doing that. Um, we love it, uh, getting the first-time commenters. So, all right, Scott from California, I think you're saying it's Roji. Did I say that correctly? Is it Long O, Long G, Long He? Roji? Scott Roji says, it meant more in California, the Republic liberation from Mexico than in Texas. That's interesting. Very fascinating. So how did, how does Cinco de Mayo get celebrated then in Southern California? Is there anything particular about the celebration of the day? Um, because I honestly, and all joking aside, have no idea. I have no idea. I've never, well, I've never really known anybody that celebrated Cinco de Mayo before growing up. I grew up in San Antonio. Never it was never a thing. Pedraza, turn your mic on. In, oh, sorry. Wait. Oh, my mic is on. It was just turned down. Uh, Myrna uh, said on YouTube: In our town in Puebla, we had a small festival and a recap on history and something and sometimes a play. Oh wow! Wow! There you go. <gasps> What was the play about? Was it reenacting the battle? I'm just curious. Uh, Valentin said, all we do is enjoy some good food. Yeah. All right. So what are we talking there, Valentin? Are we talking tacos? Are we talking enchiladas? What are we talking about? And Sienna says, hashtag Adrian is a shenanigan. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're, you're welcome, world. And Sienna, thank you for your letter. I got it in the mail. Yeah. She's got that uh, Catholic guilt thing down good, huh? I'm going to miss Emily. I'm writing back. It was a beautiful letter. Very nice. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, Jen, Jennifer says, Cinco de Mayo is an American invention. Mexico doesn't really celebrate it. The 16th of September is a bigger date for Mexico. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Uh, no, the 16th of, of September was their uh, liberation from colonialism, right? Uh, from, from Spain. Is that correct? No say. That's what I would assume. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jonah says, Adrian, I'm sure baby Jesus didn't drink wine. <laughs> well, probably not. You're right. You're right. Uh, oh, Dominic no. uh, Dominic uh, said, uh, will you play the duh button? Duh. There you go. I played and my grandma wants to know, where did you get that outfit? <laughs> um, I got it from, so the poncho is from a friend of mine, Luis. Uh, when he went home to go visit his family in Mexico, he brought me this and a couple of uh, hoodies from Mexico. And uh, the sombrero is from our uh, assistant GM here in Houston. It's his sombrero. So he lent it over to me so I could uh, have an amazing celebratory Cinco de Mayo. So I could have uh, Cinco de Tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott, uh, is it Rogi? Rogi. I think it's our, our long G. Uh, Roji said, at our school, St. Mary's, we had traditional Mexican dances and songs. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. That's beautiful. That sounds really that's cool. super cool. Praise the be to only God. song I know in Spanish is Las Manitas. Uh, go, ahead, go ahead and sing it for oh, us. Oh, no. Who wants, to, who wants to hear Adrian sing in Spanish? Yeah. Say, I. 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 I
Eyes carry the day. All right, sir. I'm going to turn Let's my volume it. all the way down. No, we no, we wanted to hear Jesus is a friend of mine, but in Spanish. I, I don't know Spanish, so that um, can't happen. <laughs> you're wearing a sombrero, sir. Uh, sorry, sorry. What? I, I don't know. I don't know what? Spanish. No say. <sighs> no say. At least I speak the language of my people. Scot- Scottish? Scottish? Okay, technically I don't actually speak their <laughs> language. Uh, they barely speak English as it is, and then when they speak Gaelic, I definitely don't know what they're saying. So, mm-hmm. there you go. There's that. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, so we're going to get Spanish out of you or what? Well, the <laughs> on on YouTube, they're asking for a grito. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to turn the volume down and do it. Well, but, why are you going to turn the volume down? Because it'll peak the audio. Jesus Robles <laughs> says, Jesus is a friend of mine. This is an uh, his, this is my act of reparation for Adrian, I guess. That's okay, funny. hold on one second. I'm going to unmute the mics because it's going to like, it's loud. Okay, one second. <laughs> what? There you go. What was that? As a grito. Does somebody step on your toe, or <laughs> like that's the sound I made when I got out of bed this morning? Really? That's kind of weird, dude. <laughs> well, there, there was pain involved. There was pain involved. No, uh, it's not. It's a joyful. It's a joyful scream. Joyful. What's the history on that? I have no idea. What? We just do it. Come it's just something on. we do. What? Why? why? There's got to be a reason. There's got to be know. some. It's just for fun. Great background as a result of that. I don't know. It's just fun. So who can tell us? Uh, maybe I mean, Jesus, can you tell us? Jesus Robles, what is the background? What would you call that? A, a grito. A grito? Close enough. <laughs> yeah, Jesus says, reminds me of the Coco movie. Yeah, the in the <laughs> it's so funny. In, in Coco, the little boy, he tries to do a grito, but his voice is just not developed enough. And so he just like, his voice cracks the whole time. He's like, ah! <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, Jennifer thinks that was a great grito. Thank you. Thank you very much. Praise be to God. Eric said, put a party. <laughs> uh, there we go. Valentine, tacos and tamales. I thought tamales was a, was a uh, Christmas food. Tamales is a, just a breakfast food, man. It's <laughs> just a breakfast food. If you can do a better grito, call 877-757-9424. Yes! a whole bunch of gritos going on the phone? That would be amazing. Crazy My God. grandma gave me the thumbs up, so she, she, she approves. Uh, that's awesome. Praise be to God. Grito equals shout. But what are you shouting for? It's just for fun. There's, Emotion. There has to be an original purpose that has since been hijacked well, actually, for fun. Actually, speaking of uh, Mexican Independence Day on September 16th, that is known as also the Day of the Grito de Dolores, which is like the cry of freedom. So maybe it goes back to that. I don't know. Hmm? Buddy wants to know. I'll accept it. (laughs) Buddy wants to know why we never mention May the 4th. Hmm. Because Emily doesn't like Star Wars. She hates all Star Wars. Because she's never even seen a Star Wars. This is news to me, Emily. When we say, may the 4th be with you. You know, I'm just yeah. more of a Lord of the Rings <laughs> she type has person. No idea what we're saying. It's like <laughs> Por qué no los dos? Jennifer says, "Joe, tamales are an everyday, every meal type of food." <laughs> this is true. Amen, Jennifer. Come on. Amen. Uh, do you really eat tamales three times a day? I would. Do you, you could. really? Oh, I have. You can have because uh, when you make them, you usually make tons, like mm-hmm, hundreds yeah. and hundreds, and then you have to eat them forever. When get the, I was get the uh, pork. When I was a kid in high school, my best friend David Pineda. Uh, would take me like for New Year's and celebrations, things like that. We'd take me to the South Side where his family was from, and like literally, 
Every room in the house had a pot of tamales in it, I think. I mean, it was just like packed, full of giant pots, full of tamales everywhere. And we ate, uh, we ate them all, the, all like, for like days. It was amazing. Speaking of which, our buddy, friend of the show, and uh, apparently somebody who has abandoned the Adrian Fonseca train, Jesus Robles, is joining us. Good morning to you, Jesus. Good, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Joe. I, I have to do some acts of reparation. I have offended on, my dearest friend by turning to uh, John Martinoni for a few seconds there. <laughs> Sorry about that. Mr. I mean, Adrian with Fonseca. the speed and and, uh, and 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 the skill that you that you totally abandoned, Adrian Fonseca. Uh, I was okay. impressed. I'm a very, I'm totally a very forgiving person. Sounds I very contrite. I forgive you. Very, very impressive. <laughs> now, hey, but, Jesus. Uh, you are yes. from you are from Mexico. I'm from Michoacan, Mexico. That's the land of where the movie Coco was inspired. That's where Mama Coco lives. Yes. Uh, the, yes, El Lago, El Lago de, de Janitzio. I've been uh, there. Uh, yes, Janitzio and uh, Paracho, um, all, all those lands. Yes, uh, that's that's my uh, that's my territory. Yeah, they, they have a huge statue on the Isla de Janitzio that you can climb up. That's right. That's right. They got the charales, which is a little fish. That are uh, being uh, fished out of there. Uh, that's the uh, Quiroga, which is right next to the to the island. Is the capital for carnitas de puerco. That's the uh, real good carnitas Uruapan? de puerco, the best. <laughs> yes, no, uh, no, uh, Quiroga. Yes, Uruapan. Oh, okay. It's got a beautiful uh, monarca. Uh, that, that's a sanctuary for the monarcas. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and and of course, right there next to. Uh, Paracho, there's, there's a, a, I'm sorry, next to the island, there's a little town that I forget right now. There's a Jesus Christ. It's made out of uh, wood, and he lays uh, in, a, in, in, a, in a coffin, and, and the story says that he is growing a couple of inches or a half fraction of an inch every wow. year, Whoa. and the bottom wow. has to be made bigger and bigger. That's yes, pretty crazy. Yes. Now, yes, it's a it sits right next to the island, to the to the water there. So Cinco de Mayo was a huge celebration in your hometown. Uh no, no, <laughs> never. What? Come never, on, never. Come on. I, I, what do you I, when I you say never? Cinco de Mayo. What? Uh-huh. What do you mean by that? Never. I, like surely no, you had never. festivities. I, I, it, it's something more like celebrated in in the schools here in Texas and. <laughs> And something more celebrated, like in, in Goliad, I learned that it was uh, that's actually the area where, where the Cinco de Mayo uh, tradition goes back to. But Mexico, it really has nothing to do with Mexico. Uh, it's more something of a folklore that has been made here for, I guess, uh, uh, financial purposes and selling uh, food and restaurants. <laughs> and Amen. Selling tamales, and selling, apparently. Selling, Just straight facts. And selling uh, sombreros and uh, sombreros, and, Which it worked. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, but, but but clearly, uh, Adrian. I mean, you can you can see him on the camera there with his poncho and his his sombrero. Clearly, if we dropped Adrian off in in Michoacan, he would blend right in, right? I mean, like he would he would oh, just be man. native, he, you know. Right now, dressed the way he is, I think people would look at him like an anomaly, like some sort of. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't they don't wear that anymore over there. <laughs> it's something that's more worn here. It's it's fine. I, I yes, wanted to be uh, a just, cowboy, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Adrian, I want to I unite to your grito mexicano there. Yes. <laughs> Do you know the history of the grito? 
Actually, no. Oh, but, uh, I was hoping for <laughs> some. I'm telling you, people just <laughs> do it. History it's just a scene. Here. Uh, Jesus, can you do it? Like, who was the first person yeah, that okay, said, let's, let's, what let's if we scream? Hey, hey, Jesus, He's going to do, do it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. No, you ruined it. <laughs> wow, impressive. <laughs> thank wow. you, thank you. Is there you. like a science to a Greedo? Like how does one go about forming the Greedo? <laughs> you just you just kind of like go in, you know, deep. You you take a deep breath, right? Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. and then you go you know, like that was perfect. Amen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And yes, you, uh, and you have no idea where this started. I I have no idea. They, they people just do it. You know, yesterday we had our little live podcast there from uh, the, a panaderia, and I got up and I started doing a grito. My my partners there that were sitting doing this podcast for the Houston Police Department, <laughs> they they kind of just like looked at me and they just kind of <laughs> nodded their heads and. They had not. They they wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. All the time. Uh, that's so funny. Praise yes, it was. It was crazy. But it was. It, it's my. It's. It's in my element. It's in my blood. It's like I. I just gotta do it. You know. So, well, and then and then when you play a little bit of the accordion sound, you know, like, you know, a little bit of that Ramona Yala type type of sound. You we know, call and, that a squeeze box. So, squeeze <laughs> no. box, or, or you play a little bit of Vicente Fernandez, and and you do this. You know? Yes. <laughs> can you can you do the 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 call, the call? The, the, the what? The um. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> how, how does I it go? I don't get what that is. <laughs> the, no, like uh, like in the in Tejano music when they they have the uh, the people make the uh, the bird sounds. Oh Lord, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> No. Luz over on uh, YouTube says, uh, good morning, happy Cinco de Mayo. She says, I've never heard of Cinco de Mayo when I lived in Mexico. <laughs> she never. says, my family never celebrated it. Adrian, you did a good job on your grito. It was pretty good. Thank you. Thank Congratulations. You. We do it. Uh, it did remind me of competitions Coco, at a little kid when he's trying to, to scream. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Ouch. It did. I love that. Praise be to God. Somebody, somebody has to know the history of the Greedo, though. There has to be at least, I mean, we have to look this up, I guess. I'm going to have to Google it. There has to be a history. There has to be, I'm guessing maybe they were, it was used to call cattle in or something. And what? then it, it turned into being used for fun and music, I no, guess. No, it's, it's emotional. If you listen to songs in Spanish like Vicente Fernandez, it's like expressing the sadness. But who was the first person that decided to try it? What was the reason? There's got to be anguish. Anguish. Pure soul. Just anguish. Pure yeah. soul out. Yeah. Just expressing emotion. Expressing emotion through screaming. Okay. Now, if you do ask Joe what El Grito is mm -hmm. uh, in Mexico, they will probably reference to Miguel Hidalgo uh, uh, when he does the Grito with La Virgen de Guadalupe, when you know he went into you know re rebellion. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what I the said. The Grito de Dolores. Grito. Yeah. Grito de Dolores Hidalgo. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow, Lou said Gritos are so fun. Definitely, Jesus did it way better. Oh, did she oh. say that? Did I read that wrong? Jesus did it way better. Okay, praise God. Eric Rodriguez says, never heard of the bird calls. I don't know. Thanks, Maybe it's a Tejano thanks, thing, because I don't know either. Yeah, it's in, yeah. It's in Tejano music all the time. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Praise be to God. Do you, now, what about September uh, the uh, 16th. Uh, 16th, Jesus? That must be a big celebration. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's more, yes, yes. It's uh, Fiestas Patrias. 
that's when um, I mean Mexico basically they do they do a big celebration in downtown and that's the safest time when I when I go visit Mexico <laughs> uh, right around the week of fiestas patrias maybe a week before fiestas patrias before it gets crowded but I see all the all the federales all the military everybody out there kind of mm. flooding the streets and making it safe that's when I go to Mexico and I enjoy myself because I know it's lots lots of policias everywhere now, do they are there a lot of tourists that come in for that celebration. Yes, yes. Uh, people come in from from all over the place, absolutely, because it it, it is it is a big party in downtown. Mm. The president comes out, and you know the church, the, the cathedral sits right in front of it. It's it's you know it's just very folkloric. The music, the dressing, the food, just everything is is it's it's out there, absolutely. Wow. Uh, you know, on Friday, our our mutual friend, yours and I, uh, Tommy Shelton. Uh, Deputy yes. Sheriff, uh, he has hooked me up with a great guest that we're having on this Friday. His name is Robert Alamante. He is a former U.S. Marshal uh, over, I think he was in El Paso at the time, but I want to say he lives in San Antonio now. He travels the world, actually, giving lectures and uh, t in instruction to police uh, officers and federal agents and, and whoever, I suppose. But he is an expert on the cartels in Mexico. And, and what's going on in the border. So he's going to be our guest on Friday. And one of the things we're going to be talking about is the use of the occult, uh, you know, sort of yes. taking these Catholic elements, like the huge devotion to St. Jude, for, in for instance, and to be using those things for nefarious purposes and the occult uh, corruption of that and, uh, and how these uh, organizations, how powerful are these organizations in Mexico? How powerful are they in, in America? the people that have to pay them thousands of dollars in order to get across that border and how they get often uh, roped into uh, human smuggling and slave trade and uh, abuse and, and other things. So I'm very excited about having Robert Alamante on the program. And you, my friend, are the one that helped to connect all of those dots. So thank you for that. You know, uh, Joe, I, I, I did have a conversation with uh, Tommy yesterday about that, and I, and I was asking him, are you sure you want you – want, uh, Joe to to get into the conversation because this guy is going to bring chilling chilling. That's why uh, I want to do it. Regarding yeah. yes about about you know la muerte and and all of that stuff that happens of the in the, the occult. Uh, it is going to be a pretty scary uh, <laughs> not scary but it's going to uh, really open up to 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 what's going on with with la muerte and, and what la muerte is. Uh, she basically guarantees you uh, that. That you're gonna be okay in the even when you're breaking the law, she is mm. like your protector, right? In that in that sense, there's nobody else who's gonna vouch for you, but yeah. death herself. But anyways, it, it's it's amazing. We, we've seen these things, Joe. Uh, we've done drug busts with the, with the police department, and these statues are sitting in there. I've seen a room full of statues, seven, eight statues, and they're life size. Wow. Uh, I've been in homes where I've been asked to go pray, and uh, as as a civilian and and I have confronted people and told them that the reasons why things are happening in their families is not because, you know, of anything else, but they have so much evil sitting in, in their homes. And uh, mm. I, I, I wish I could tell you after uh, I spoke to a family and I told them that I would volunteer to get these statues out and bring a priest to bless their house. What what an, an image appeared in my mind and, and this image was a, a face of La Muerte. And it basically told me, you know, you will not win. You will not win in this house. You're not going to, wow. to be, you're not going to be able to get done what you, uh, 
what you wanted to. And, and this is, uh, there was a, a, a few weeks before I had had a rosary at a house and this family had this image of, of La Muerte. It was the size of a, uh, maybe three or four inches and it was sitting there. So, uh, as, as, as I left Our Lady of Guadalupe there and I turned and I, somebody points that to me, I grabbed that and, and I, and I threw it. I threw it outside. I got rid of it. Uh, and of course, after that moment, the, the image of La Muerte appears to me and says, you have won this time, but you will not win the next time you see me. So it, just a few weeks later, I see this imagery and these, these, these horrible, huge statues sitting there. And I'm trying to get into this family and I'm trying to speak to these, to, to this family about the evilness that is going on inside that house. And, mm. and, and eventually they, they, they did not let me go back in that house, uh, <gasps> to, to speak to them. Wow. And again, it, it was there as I exited that house and said, <clears throat> this time you will not win. I, I, I got this one. And it just brought wow. chills to me that these, these, these things are real. It's got, it's got real evil power. And it, it really does what the promises that they that they bring you. They 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 really do work, and yeah. they're they're not just statues. They represent these evil pre, the evil presence, and they do act upon it and upon you. Yeah, I've seen but reports. That's why you must. I've seen reports yeah. in Mexico of chapels being erected uh, uh, yes. with with these types of images, the Santa Muerte and the things that you just described, but they would have these, like they have their own set of saints, the cartels do. So people who yes, have been gunned do. down violently uh, beca can become saints in their cult. and Kind of like America's St. George Floyd? Yeah, so there's things like that going on, but they set, up, they set up chapels to these people. And I've heard reports of inside the chapels, there would be pictures from all over America, people sending in pictures who have a devotion to that person and uh, and their quote air quotes sainthood and, uh, and they'll say yes. thank you for your you know because of you I'm living the dream blah 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 and then I've heard reports from from Mexican federales that uh, pursued the cartels and drugs and all of that that they will often uh, find Santa Muerte statues behind our official Catholic statues sort of hidden there yes. uh, concealed you know and so um, Yes. The, this is the type of reporting that all, most people never hear or see, and I feel like it's super mm -hmm. important for us to share what's really going on and, and to keep this in mind, because when was the last time we ever heard a homily by a priest or a bishop against the cartels and the coyotes uh, who are practicing this occult worship and abusing the people whom they are they supposed to help? Uh, we hear a lot about border uh, and migrant uh, rights and freedoms and, and, and respect and praise be to God. But when do we hear uh, this, you know, the, the, the bold preaching against this actual evil? And almost never, at least in my experience, maybe others have had experiences of that, and I would love to hear that. But so, Robert. That's right, Joe. There's, 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 a, there's a saints, who they call saints, like Luis Malverde. Uh, Malverde is one of them. He sits on a on a chair and he has blue jeans and a white shirt and he's one of those uh cartel uh moved drugs and did things back in his time and people venerated him as as if he's a, a saint and then they they do feasts for him and all kinds of things there's wow. cathedrals there's he's cathedrals seen like a robin hood guy isn't he? yeah what was that he's seen kind of like uh mexican robin hood isn't he if i remember yes, correctly yes. Yes, and uh, there's cathedrals in San Luis Potosí that have La Muerte, and there's cathedrals in Mexico City 
that have it. Those are the two main, main areas where they have actual cathedrals of, of, of La Muerte. You would think you're going into a Catholic church. Uh, there's also another saint, well, another one that they call a saint, and El Niño, El Niño Prodigio. And, and, and this was a more modern story, uh, also in the uh, Zacatecas San Luis area. It's, it's, it's very heavy, and people go out there, and, and they venerate, venerate him as a saint and as a miracle worker. And there's actually a lot of witchcraft, a lot mm. of witchcraft happening there. Uh, and just people give up their souls and, and their lives to this, and and they believe it. And, and Joe, and, and that that's what you see in the, the, these places where they do santeria, they mm-hmm. do santeria, and they practice witchcraft and all that. You see Our Lady of Guadalupe statue, and it just irritates me. It burns me when I when I yeah. see this, and I see these images of, of, of San Judas. You know that 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 famous Saint Jude image where he's standing right with a coin in his chest and the mm-hmm. and the staff in his hand. If you see that image from a distance, sometimes it resembles, or they've copied that image of La Muerte, the same, the same silhouette. It fits Saint Jude. Because Saint Jude is the one that does the, uh, the what is it? Patron uh, of the Impossible. The miracles, it of the impossible. So La Muerte basically becomes the same advocator, but it's for the evil things that, that that you're doing. And there's a lot of crossovers from, from the St. Jude devotions to La, and La Muerte. You will see them almost paired together everywhere, and people confuse this. Catholics confuse it as if, if it's La Muerte image is also some sort of devotion that we have. Uh, and, and it's just very, it's a lot of ignorance, a lot of ignorance with that. I'm, I'm, I'm never... Uh, happy to have one of those St. Jude images. It just brings me so many memories of, of yeah. La Muerte, the, the way she is. Mm. So that's why we, we really have to spread knowledge with our, with yeah, our and, people. About in, in our neck of the faith. woods, in our neck of the woods, we this studio is based out of Houston, Texas. In our neck of the woods, I see St. Jude on tons of vehicles around here. I mean, they're just everywhere. So at any rate, uh, we are out of time. Jesus Robles Thanks for being on with us. We had a lot of fun. Uh, great Grito. Apparently, you are you have an audience-approved Grito, so praise be to God for that. Uh, but Adrian, uh, Adrian's wasn't bad either. Let's put it on a button. Amen. We got it. Yeah, we got to get it on a button. But that's going to do it for Catholic Drive Time today. Jesus Robles, God love you. God bless you, my brother. Thank you for your service to our community, and thanks for being on with us. Thank you. God bless you. All right, tomorrow, E. Michael Jones is our guest, and Logos Rising is our conversation. So we're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow as well. And then Robert Olamonte, the former U.S. Marshal and expert on the cartels and the occult uh, and their practices, is going to be our conversation on Friday. So a ton of great Catholic drive time headed your way. Do us a favor, share us with your friends, your family, and we're very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. We'll see you back here 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern for Catholic Drive Time. Thank you for joining us.